Hey, we're Brittany and Tiffany, and we're here to help you navigate both the wild and wonderful parts of raising your people. Because we're obsessed with how motherhood ties all our families together. I'm a mama to seven and the creator of The Deliberate Day. I'm a mom of five, an ideal and inspiration. We're here to empower, encourage, and entertain you with laughter, stories, and tried and true secrets for an intentional motherhood with more love and less overwhelm. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, get comfortable, and grow with us. Some of our greatest adulting lessons come from managing money for our families and our homes. Now, it isn't everything, but it does serve us in many ways and can if we are responsible and intentional with it. Our finances should be a reflection of the life and family we're cultivating in our home. And the truth is, for too many of us, that is not the case. If your current financial state makes you feel shame, fills you with regret, or leaves you feeling downright depressed after you look at it? You need to take responsibility and own where you are, acknowledging that the decisions you made up till now helped lead you here. However, shame, regret, and depression will not get you where you need to go. So you need to let those go. Why don't we explore a few questions that can help you figure out what brought you here so you can move forward? Brendan Burchard says life is our greatest teacher. And to follow that up, Jim Quick says knowledge isn't power unless you use it. So we see here that we have this incredible teacher that is constantly giving us knowledge. But it's not knowledge unless we're using it to our advantage. Did you happen to grab that cup of coffee we told you to grab in the intro? Because you're probably going to need it. And a chair. Go ahead and sit down for this one. This series is about getting you comfortable with your finances and empowering you to take responsible action to improve your situation. Whatever it may be, which is likely that you can't even afford eggs right now. Okay, but I just have to say I am digging all the egg reels. (laughs) Of course you are. So in order to take responsibility and get real intimate with our finances, I would say that all of us need to shift our money mindset in order to really do that. Your money mindset is your unique set of beliefs and your attitude about money based on your own experiences and upbringing. It's where you pull from when it comes to any financial decision. And really identifying what your mindset is and then recognizing that it's possible to change it, especially if it's not serving you, is the first step toward financial freedom or the goals you want to reach. We all spend money. And it feels oftentimes like we don't have a choice about how or when. But we really do. We get to decide, plan, budget, and spend according to what's most important to us. We see what's most important to us play out very real in how our money is spent. In my budget, you can see that we place a high importance on the food our children are eating that we get fresh vegetables, that we get good meats, that we buy good fruits, and we try to cut down on as much of the processed foods or maybe the unhealthier foods that we can, and that means that we spend a little bit more money on groceries. You see that reflected in our budget. Our family values sports, so we are willing to pay those fees every sports season to put our kids in those activities that make us drive all over the world For hours on end. I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, and really, even in the things it feels like you don't have a choice in, for instance, we got saddled with about 8K in medical debt this year. The last year. I guess we're in 2023 now. And man, that hurts. But I will say, 
we got to decide if we're going to pay that off or not. And for us, it's very important to be honorable to our debts. So we chose to pay that off. This is still a choice. We still get to decide what happens with our money and when. And each thing you do with your money, that's a decision you're making. And I think when we talk about this, it can be really easy for us to shift the blame for our financial state, right? Oh, definitely. We can blame it on economy. We can blame it on husband spending. We can blame it on kids and activities and all the extras. But the truth is that we really do get to decide how our money is spent. And more importantly, we should be deciding how our money gets spent, especially with our husbands, not as two separate entities. I'm going to shout that all day long every time we talk about money that you should be planning in union with your husband. Well, and you should be an open book. So maybe you have a husband who's like, I don't care, right? Because there are husbands out there who are like, you deal with it. Just let me know how much I have to spend. Okay, you're talking about my husband. But even even then, you <laughs> include them in it. You're like, hey, here's the budget for next month. You know, is there anything you want to discuss or talk about? You're still checking in with that person constantly. And you're not spending funds in any kind of hidden way. Absolutely. So, hey, every once in a while, like maybe every half month, like this is where we are. This is what's going on. And try to have it not be a time when he's like, hey, can I spend this money? Like, <laughs> let's not do it every time they ask to spend something. But just like on a Tuesday afternoon after you've had a nice date, just be like, hey, just want to give you a little financial update, let you know where we are. Right. Yeah. And, and on that note. Try not to make everything sound terrible and depressing because it's really hard to constantly be looking at it. Now, you don't need to, of course, harbor all of the struggles with the finances on your own. But when you invite them in, if you do have someone who isn't naturally involved in it, when every time you invite them in, you just tell them how terrible it is, it's going to be kind of hard for them to want to keep coming back and being a part of it. Amen. It's like when we invite our husband in and they were like, the day was terrible. The kids did this. The kids did this. The kids did this. And then you're like, hey, why don't you enjoy being home at the hardest part of the day <laughs> and spending all of this time with your kids that I just told you were terrible while you were gone? <laughs> well, and it's worth saying. So there was a year that I didn't tell my husband that his dog died. <laughs> Yeah, for real. Because I was tired of giving him bad news, okay? Aww. There was a lot of bad news that year, and Aww. I think he's still upset about it, actually. Aww. And that was, I mean, that was over 10 years ago. So, you know, sometimes we have to share the bad news, but yes. but we don't have to share it. Like, there's a way to share bad news. I agree. And with finances, here's the thing. Numbers are finite, right? Yep. They're not emotional, so you can share the information and the details without adding a whole bunch of emotion or frustration onto it. You know, you can have good discussions, and that's really where we need to come from when we're talking about financial stuff. That is so true. And keep that in mind because we'd like you to just sit down and talk with us a minute and think about the last 12 months. What were you focusing on with your money the last 12 months? We all have these themes in our spending. And we don't have to pull out our statements or narrow it down to the cent to see what they are. I think you can look back and just know, hey, we were really focused on being charitable. And that put us in this financial situation. We were actually really focused on saving. And now we're here in this financial situation. Maybe it was investing. Maybe you really focused this year on building a fund for your future. Or maybe you just purely survived. 
Perhaps you paid down debt. Or you were budgeting well, and that has put you in a different financial state. Maybe last year, the last 12 months have all been about handling emergencies one right after another. Maybe one kid broke an arm and then another kid broke something else and then you ended up with a husband in surgery and then you ended up dealing with funerals. Like maybe last year was just completely about handling emergencies and your finances reflect that you've got medical debt, you guys ate out too much. Sounds oddly specific, Brittany. (laughs) It might be oddly specific. It might be. Uh, Yes. In fact, yes. (laughs) Well, and I think that that can happen to any of us, right? Like that's that's the reality is that that just happens. Life happens. Yes, it does. And I think that there's a lot of power in looking back over the last 12 months and seeing where your focus was. Because even amidst all that chaos, when you're staying on top of things – and you're asking yourself good questions and you're being responsible over your finances, even in the chaos, you still get to decide how you're spending your money. There were days that we did eat out too much, but I was able to make those choices consciously and say like, okay, if I have to decide between overspending in this area of the budget a little bit and keeping my sanity, we're going to overspend in the budget a little bit here, but I'm going to take it from this part of the budget, you know, and we're going to sacrifice a little bit over here in order to be able to do this. That's what it means to be handling emergencies, you know, and still being able to spend intentionally. And I think the other thing is, and this goes hand in hand with those emergencies, I think when life is in crisis, we can turn to things like retail therapy. Oh, goodness, yes. You know, to help us feel better. And if you look back on the last 12 months and you see maybe that you know, your theme was retail therapy, maybe that's just something to note. Maybe that means that you might have been living in crisis, right? So all this gives us a clear sense of where our focus was, and it gives us the power to choose something different if it doesn't align with the direction we truly want to be headed in. Were there any financial habits that contributed to what your focus was this past year? Maybe you notice whenever you're feeling sad, just like we were talking about, you're in crisis, that you console yourself by buying books or other items, and that this contributed to a financial focus of retail therapy. Maybe reconciling your accounts was really stressful, so you just stopped. And instead, you just picked up a habit of checking the balance of your account and then spent on whims instead of spending intentionally. Maybe medical debt piled up and left you feeling so defeated that you just gave up on your goals Because they felt too big or impossible, and that led to a financial focus of just handling red tag items and leaving everything else on the table. This might have been your story the past 12 months, but it does not have to be your story for the next 12. What lesson or lessons can you learn from what your patterns and habits have been? Sometimes it's the way you're physically spending your money, and sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, It's how you're mentally spending your money. Okay, I have to say it. When it comes to money and food, it's never the money or the food. Sometimes we've mentally spent the money before we've ever actually physically spent the money. And that's why it's important to get ahead of this mindset. So perhaps you notice that you spend a lot at Target. The lesson you learn from this habit of overspending or this pattern of going to Target weekly, it's that you need to remove the Target app from your phone Because it makes it too easy to see what's on sale and to go into the store and to overspend or to buy things on a whim. And removing it creates a pause and gives you power back with your finances. 
Maybe eating out became a default response to rising grocery costs, so deciding on a weekly spending cap with your husband is what you both need to keep your decisions aligned with the future goals and needs that you want to pursue. Or really, are there any lessons from the natural ebb and flow of the year also? In addition to our patterns and habits, there's often a natural ebb and flow to the year. There are lessons we can gain here too. We refer to August lovingly as ayahuasca. And okay, (laughs) I have a little bit of a funny story. If you didn't know that ayahuasca is a drug, like I didn't when Tiffany first told me it, (laughs) I thought it was an exclamation like ayahuasca. So I was telling people that August was ayahuasca month. And so I was basically <laughs> telling people that it was it was like pot month or something and did not realize it until someone paused and was like, do you know what that is? So <laughs> then I had to come back to Tiffany and tell her about it. And I was like, OK, why are we calling August ayahuasca month? Well, let me tell you why. Because it's a bad trip every time. <laughs> That's why. Every year. I don't know why August comes around and does a sturdy like it does every year, but August is a bitter, mean month. <laughs> it is, like from start to finish, okay? It really is. And I want to love August so much. I have all the birthdays in my family in August. My husband's birthday, my favorite human's birthday is in August. I want to love August. But she just does not want to love me. She does not love you. Every single year, everything breaks in August. I'm talking cars. I'm talking appliances. I'm talking big things in the house, like roof replacements are suddenly needed in August. An air conditioner goes out in August. Like everything happens in August. It's almost like maybe it's Florida and the heat by August. Like the house is just like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing anything else. Yeah. Whatever it is. August always ends up being this crazy month for us. It's so a, Yeah, it's a bad trip. <laughs> exactly. So in anticipation, what Tiffany and I have realized is that, okay, number one, we need to save up and prepare for that ahead of time. And the other thing is that we don't have a lot extra in our budget every month. So that makes it a little bit tough to save up for this. So instead, we got really smart. And we know we have to save at least $1,000 out of our tax refunds in order to prepare for that. That's that's just what you have to do. That is what August requires. Yep. There's just an August emergency fund that's set aside and ready to be used when the need arises, not if, because it's when. It's when. Well, and another example of the ebb and flow of the year is kids always growing. What's up with that? Oh, gosh, yes. Always buying clothes. <laughs> like constantly. It's almost like every spring and fall you have to buy clothes for your kids. It's a whole thing, isn't it? It's a whole thing. But knowing that, we know that those are the times when we're going to need to save a small fortune for things like pajamas, underwear, and socks that no one's ever going to see anyways and somehow cost a million dollars. Yes, right? They're the smallest oh. pieces of things, but they're most expensive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's so many feet. Like, yes. you've got 14 feet in your house. It's a lot of feet. That's a lot of feet. It's honestly a lot of socks, too, because most of them all go to the gnomes. So I feel like it's really just a, a gnome fee in yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a very high expense for a gnome fee. Yeah, for yep. real. All right. Everything we've talked about today is a great indication of what your money mindset has been. You need to consider how you feel about those answers. Is it that in spite of rising costs everywhere and unexpected expenses, that you've continued to make intentional choices and fight to stay in budget? Because this would be more like an intentional mindset. 
Conversely, if you dealt with those same rising costs and unexpected expenses by spiraling into a pattern of overspending in order to escape the feelings of scarcity, this would be a scarcity mindset. So let's address the fact that these examples show two different ends of the spectrum, and you're more than likely going to fall somewhere in between. Because money and our mindset are very personal things. They aren't just based on our habits and patterns and the seasons of the last 12 months, but also on our upbringing and honestly, all the life we've lived up to this point. So now it's time to recap. If your current financial state makes you feel shame, it fills you with regret, or it leaves you feeling downright depressed, take responsibility, own where you are, acknowledge your decisions, and let those things go. Identifying what your money mindset is and recognizing that it's possible to change it if it's not serving you is the first step towards financial freedom or really any money goal you want to reach. As you work to identify your own money mindset, here are some questions to think through. Over the past 12 months, what were you focusing on with your money? Were there any financial habits that contributed to your focus? What lessons can you learn from what your patterns and habits have been? And do these patterns and habits align with the vision you have for the financial state that you want to cultivate in your family? If this episode hit you in the gut and you think you need to dig a little bit deeper, we have two sections of the Deliberate Start that are for you. The Financial Reflection and the Financial Beginning. The financial reflection helps you gain a bird's eye view to move forward from, and then the financial beginnings pages lay the foundation for the financial state you want to cultivate going forward. Because we need to take ownership of our money and how it's being spent. And we all need a place to start. You can find the link to the deliberate start in our show notes, on our Instagram bio at the deliberate day, or on the website, thedeliberateday.org. <laughs>